بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد الحمد لله tonight is the 18th of November in the year 2023 and alhamdulillah we moved on to the 16th night that we're going through the illustrious and blessed life of the eminent companion Sayyidina Abu Huraira and I spent a few sessions in which we're taking a glimpse into his immense love for our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa and the last thing I mentioned was that he even avoided being in the presence of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa when he was in a state of janaba and then I mentioned the relevant fiqh with regards to the matter so Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu's deep love for our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa could clearly be seen whenever he would describe his blessed self sallallahu alayhi wa So for instance, Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib he said, Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu he described Rasulullah with the following words sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was of medium height but nearer to being tall. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was extremely fair i.e. in complexion. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had longer eyelashes he was very broad between the shoulders and had full cheeks. He walked on his entire feet and the hollow in his soles were not deep. He turned towards people fully or turned his bike fully. I have not seen anyone like him before or since. This is recorded in Bukhari's Allah Double Mufrat number 1155 and Shaykh Albani stated Hassan Ligayri in his check. So obviously the companions they described the Prophet so that people who didn't have the honor to see him would want to know what he was you know what his description was. So here he mentioned some of the famous descriptions. He was of medium height but he was nearer to being tall. So one of the miracles of the Prophet ﷺ was that despite being not tall as such, but nobody would be taller than him. So even those who were taller in his presence, he would look tall. This is a miracle of the Prophet ﷺ. He was extremely fair, reddish, white, like you say. And of course, he had long, beautiful eyelashes. He had athletic build. But then he said, he turned towards people fully or turned his bike fully. So when he would turn, when a person would call him, he'd turn his whole attention to him. And when he would shake hands, he would be the first to shake and he would be the last to let go of the hand. One report mentions. But then Abu Huraira said, and this shows his deep love, I have not seen anyone like him before or since. So how many people did Abu Huraira see? He saw the illustrious companions. He saw many of the Tabi'in. And yeah, he says, there's nobody like him. And in a similar report, Sayyidina Abu Huraira concluded with the words, Lam tara'inan mithla wa lam tara. 
No eyes has ever seen anyone similar, nor will they ever. This is in Behaki in his Delay in Nubu'a 1-213, Al-Bidayah 6-26, Fatt al-Bari 4-4, Bukhari's Al-Dabal Mufrad number 255, and Shaykh al-Bari stated Sahih in his check. So here he added something. No eyes has ever seen anyone similar, meaning even if you haven't seen him, I promise you, you would not have seen anybody like him. And then he goes, nor will they ever see anybody like him. Meaning, he was a one-off. No eyes have ever seen anyone similar. Nor will they ever see anybody like him. In another report, Sayyidina Abu Huraira, he said, مَا رَأَيْتُ شَيْئًا أَحْسَنَ مِنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ كَانَ كَأَنَّ الشَّمْسَ تَجْدِي فِي جَبْحَتِهِ I never saw anything more handsome than Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Indeed, it was as if the sun was rotating on his forehead. وَمَا رَأَيْتُ أَحَدًا أَسْرَأَ فِي مِشْيَتِهِ مِنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. كَأَنَّمَ الْأَرْضُ I have never saw anyone walk faster than Rasulullah Indeed, it was as if the earth was being folded up in front of him. We would exhaust ourselves to keep up with him whilst he was walking with ease. So this is recorded in Tirmidhi, number 3648, in his Shamail, number 123, Ahmed in his Musnad, number 8604, Hassan, Ibn Hiban, number 6309, or 14-216, Sahih, Zad al-Ma'ad, volume 1, page 265 of the English translation. So he mentioned some very interesting descriptions of Bukhara, radiallahu. The first thing he said, because I've never seen anyone more handsome than Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa it was as if the sun was rotating on his forehead, meaning he had so much noor, because it looked like the sun was shining for him. Then he mentioned another miracle of the Prophet He goes, I've never seen anybody walk faster than him, but he was walking with ease. And he goes, it was as if the earth was being folded up. So we can now understand this very easily, because in many of the gyms, they have treadmills. So if you walk on a you just stand there, treadmill, you're moving. And if you go into the airport, you've got the flat elevators where you stand and it's just literally moving. And if you walk, it's, you're actually walking very fast because of the movement of the uh, the, the flat elevator. Rasulullah would walk like that, Sallallahu said, because we would struggle to keep up with him. And he was walking with ease. So notice he's describing the Prophet, you know, very, very graphically indicating he's unique, Sallallahu said. In another report, Abu Huraira said, I was once with Rasulullah at a funeral. When I walked, he went ahead of me. Thus I quickened my pace. But when I quickened my pace, I inadvertently went ahead of him. I thereupon turned to a man beside me and said, The earth is rolled up for him and he is the intimate of Ibrahim. This is in Ahmed in his Musnad, number 7506, 7929, Hassan Lighayn. So it's, it's a funeral 
and Rasulullah is obviously pacing ahead. So Abu Huraira says, I wanted this time to keep up with him. Now look how interesting. Isn't it easy to keep up with somebody? But because he didn't know the pace, he actually went ahead of the Prophet by accident. <laughs> so what does that tell you? He must have been running. <laughs> Rasulullah was walking, said Allah, Islam, and he's trying to keep up. But suddenly he went ahead of the Prophet. And then he said to a man, The earth is rolled up for him. Ibrahim. He is the Khalil of Ibrahim. Look how interesting. Ibrahim is Khalilullah. <laughs> Ibrahim is the intimate of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Abu Huraira described Rasulullah as the Khalil of Ibrahim. That's interesting. He goes, he's the intimate of Ibrahim. Now, why did he say that when he, you know, by accident went in front of Rasulullah? Because he, he, he didn't want to show any disrespect to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa so there was a man next to him and the man must have noticed he's gone in front of the Prophet So look how he immediately he talked to that man. He goes, oh, the earth is rolled up for him. Meaning, this is why I've inadvertently gone in front of him. But nevertheless, he goes, he is the Khalil of Ibrahim. With regards to Rasulullah's walking, Sayyidina Ali had further said, whenever Rasulullah walked, he then used to walk with all his body as if he was descending down a slope. Subhanallah. This is in Tirmidhi, number 3637, Hasan Sahih. And in Shamail, number 124, 125, Ahmad in his Musnad, Ibn Hiban, number 6311, Hakim in his Mustadrak, 2-605-6, to Zad al-Ma'ad, volume 1, page 265 of the English translation. So Sayyidina Ali, what did he say, radiyallahu he goes, it looked like he was walking downhill. <laughs> so notice they're giving very interesting descriptions. So if you're walking downhill and you're walking uphill, isn't there a change in the pace? <laughs> but he goes, Rasulullah would walk on flat ground as if he was walking downhill. <laughs> so note they're saying the same thing. He goes, there was something unearthly about his walking. And he goes, he walked with his entire body, meaning he'd use his arms as well when he walked. So note, most of the reports are from Abu Huraira in terms of his description of the Prophet Indeed, Rasulullah's comfort and pleasure meant everything to Abu Huraira. Indeed, all the noble companions. Sayyidina Abu Huraira and Sayyidina Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, they both related Rasulullah once delivered to us a sermon and he said three times, By him who has my soul in his hand. Then Rasulullah lowered his head. And every one of us lowered our heads and we wept. Yet we do not know for what he had sworn. So stop in the report. So has he said anything? <laughs> All the Prophet said was, he swore an oath, said He lowered his head, meaning he was in contemplation. And he, Abu Huraira and Abu Sa'id goes, we all lowered our heads and we started to weep. We do not know for what he had sworn. So immediately, what does that tell you about the Sahab? 
they had so much love for the prophet they didn't even like it when he was in discomfort they were weeping because we had no idea what he was swearing an oath for thumma rafa'a ra'sa wa fi wajhihi al-bushra wa kanat ahabba ilayna min humrin na'am he then raised his head sallallahu alaihi wasallam and his face now bore signs of happiness his happiness was more beloved to us than even red carpets <laughs> so stop in the report look how they describe in the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so they weeping they got their heads lowered and after an interval rasulullah raises his head raises his head sallallahu alaihi wasallam and he's now showing signs of happiness look what they said the sahaba وَقَانَتْ أَحَبَّ إِلَيْنَا مِنْهُمْ لِلنَّعَمْ His happiness was more beloved to us than red camels. Think about that. In modern day terminology, his happiness is more beloved to us than red Porsches. So imagine somebody offers you a Porsche free or, to, or you had the option of making Rasulullah happy. The Sahaba goes, Rasulullah's happiness was more beloved to us. So when he raised his head and showed signs of happiness, He goes, we also felt comfort in that. So, uh, he said, there is no one who will establish the five salah fast during Ramadan, pay his zakah, and abstain from the seven major sins. But then the eight gates of paradise will open for him on the day of resurrection till they agitate. He said Allah alayhi wa sallam upon recite Surah An-Nisa Surah 4 verse 31 Audhi billahi minash shaitan rajeem In tajtanibu kaba'ira ma'atunahawna an If you avoid the serious wrong actions you have been forbidden نُكَفِّرْ عَنْكُمْ سَيِّئَاتِكُمْ وَنُدْخِلُكُمْ مُدْخَلًا كَرِيمًا We will then erase your sins and admit you by a gate of honor. So let's look at this. So this is recorded in Nasai 5-8. حَاكِمِ نِزْ مُسْتَدْرَكْ سَحِيح إِبْنِ حِبَانْ سَحِيح إِبْنِ خُزَيْمَ سَحِيح تَرْهِيب نمبر 233. So it's a flawless report. So notice... Before Rasulullah even uttered a word, how they were describing Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He swears an oath, he lowers his head. We all lowered our heads, we wept. We had no idea why he had sworn an oath. He raises his head and his face now shows signs of happiness. His happiness was more beloved to us than red camels. Then they mention what he said. This is what causes happiness. If you establish the five salah, fast during Ramadan, two pillars, pay zakat, three pillars. Then look what he said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَيَجْتَنِبُ الْقَبَائِرَ السَّبْعَةِ and keep away from the seven deadly sins. Then the eight gates of paradise will open for you on the day of resurrection and they will agitate. Subhanallah. So if you basically do the pillars, the hajj was not mentioned because maybe it wasn't obligatory at the time. So you're doing all the pillars. And you keep away from the seven deadly sins. What's the deal? The deal is, you have been given so much honor that any of the gates, 
will start agitating, waiting for you to enter. And Rasulullah recited the Quran to confirm this. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Surah Ibn Nisa, Surah 4, verse 31. In tajtanibu kabaira matun hawna'an. If you avoid the kabair, the major sins, matun hawna'an, that you have been forbidden, nukaffir ankum sayyatikum. We will erase your sins. Wa nudkhilukum mudkhalan karima. And admit you by a gate of honor. So what's the gate of honor? All the gates. So Allah Ta'ala is mentioning this in the Quran, but there's not full details. It's just, you know, he's giving you the skeleton. Rasulullah is explaining, do your pillars, keep away from the seven deadly sins. You will be forgiven all your sins and you will enter paradise by a gate of honor. So now what are the seven deadly sins? They are the following. The first is shirk. Associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second is disobedience to parents. The third is dealing in usually interest, you know, whatever you want to call it. The fourth is witchcraft. The fifth is consuming illegally the orphan's wealth. Uh, the sixth is the consumption of intoxicants, khamr. Another report mentions bearing false witness. And the last is fleeing from battle. So let's look at these seven. Will we, inshallah, ever commit shirk? We can't. You know, it's for, you know, that's one thing that nobody will enter with Iman. Disobedience to parents. This should also be alien to us. If you disobey your parents, you are not given this honor. Thirdly, usually, so interest, usurious transactions, getting houses and mortgages and the rest of it. You know, what the heck is going on there? Fourth, witchcraft, obviously. Fifth, consuming illegally the orphan's wealth, meaning that you have an orphan and his wealth is his, but you start consuming his wealth. Taking drugs. Another mentions false witness. You go to the courtroom, you do false witness. And fleeing from battle. If you avoid those major sins, you do your pillars. The promise in the Quran and the Sunnah is you are forgiven all your sins and you will enter paradise through a gate of honor. So now there's a deeper meaning here. Abu Sa'id ibn al-Arabi, rahmatullahi, he related. This is in Qurdubi in his Tafsir, volume 5, page 55 of the New English Translation. I heard Imam Abu Dawood al-Sijistani, rahmatullahi, say, I have heard Imam Abu Abdullah Ahmed ibn Hanbal say, all of the Muslims will enter paradise. So stop in the report. So this is a flawless report because these are all Imams of Hadith. Abu Sa'id ibn al-Arabi was an Imam of Hadith. He's the narrator. He heard Imam Abu Dawood, who's one of the famous six collectors of Hadith, relate that he heard Imam Ahmed say, what did Imam Ahmad say? All Muslims will enter paradise. So Imam Abu Dawood asked, how? All Muslims, how? So Imam Ahmad, he said, Allah the Almighty and Glorious says, and he recited the same verse, Surah An-Nisa, Surah 4, verse 31. In tajtanibu kabairamatun hawna'an 
if you avoid the serious major sins you have been forbidden nukaffir ankum sayyatikum wa nudkhilukum mudkhalan karima we will forgive your sins and admit you by gate of honor imam ahmed said meaning paradise then he said imam ahmed rasulullah has said sallallahu alaihi wasallam i have stored up my intercession for those of my ummah who committed serious wrong actions this is in abu daud tirmidhi number 2435 hasan sahih gharib ibn imaj mishkat al udus imam ahmad then said rahmatullahi dus if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives everything except major sins and rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam intercedes for the major sins then what sins will remain for the muslims the one of So let's look at this. So Imam Ahmad <coughs> rahmatullahi he said something very interesting and it is a very interesting statement all muslims and the paradise. So obviously you think what about hell? So what was his proof? He gave two proofs. One was from the Quran, the other was from the sunnah. So what's the proof of the Quran? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says If you avoid the deadly sins I will forgive your sins admit you to paradise so what is the quran only the quran say keep out of the deadly sins I will forgive you so now what's the problem left for the muslim now is the deadly sins but then he says but rasulullah said sallallahu alaihi wasallam I'm going to intercede for the major sinners so that's sort of those If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives everything except major sins which the Quran mentions and Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam intercedes for major sins what sins will remain for the muslims mm-hmm. Allahu akbar all praise therefore be to our loving most merciful lord subhanahu wa ta'ala and the eternal peace and blessings be upon our most beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam amen now go back to the report this is the problem What did Abu Hurairah and Abu Sa'id both say? Rasulullah swore oath, "Wallahi nafsi biyadih," by him who was my soul in his hand. Then he lowered his head, and look how touching the Sahaba lowered their heads. They're weeping because we have no idea why he swore an oath. What was happening? He was receiving revelation, <laughs> but the Sahaba were weeping because the Prophet was, you know, troubled by the revelation. It would, you know, put pressure on him. When he raised his head and he was showing signs of happiness they said his happiness was more beloved to us than red camels why was rasulullah's face shining because he understood what this meant what did he say do your pillars keep out the major crimes allah taala will forgive all your sins but rasulullah didn't give you the further clarification imam ahmad gave you that why because rasulullah is interceding for the major sins So that means if you have iman you will be forgiven. The Quran and the Sunnah testify to that. And this verse just out of interest Allah Taala mentions in surah 4 verse 31 that he will admit you wanudkhilukum mudkhalan karima. He will admit you by a gate of honor. There was a companion to finish. 
His name was Abu Musa al-Ashari, and the gist of the report, a jihad is taking place, and his uncle, he's seriously wounded in the, in the jihad, he gets an aloe stuck in his knee. When the aloe is taken out, water comes out, and he realizes that this is a lethal blow. So he tells Abu Musa, his nephew, he goes, oh my nephew, go to Rasulullah give him my salam and tell him my condition. So, and ask him to pray for my forgiveness. So Abu Musa, the uncle passes away, he goes back to the Prophet the Prophet prays for his forgiveness. But then Abu Musa, very intelligently, he then asks, Ya Rasulullah, please make a dua for me. That was interesting. The uncle didn't ask the Prophet to make a dua for his nephew. So Abu Musa asks and the Prophet makes him a dua. And what did he, dua does he make for Abu Musa? In Sayyid Bukhari and Muslim, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and the meaning of which is, O oh my Lord, allow Abu Musa to enter on the day of resurrection karima, a gate of honor. He actually quoted this passage. So Rasulullah has made a dua for Abu Musa that he will enter through a gate of honor. So when you hear that report, you think, SubhanAllah, obviously martyred uncle, he's a mujahid, he's a companion, he deserves this incredible honor. But little do Muslims realize that this is an honor given to one and all. Right? This is an honor given to one and all. Why? Because of Allah's mercy and that he forgives everything except the deadly sins. And Rasulullah's intercession sorts out the deadly sins. Meaning that we've got incredible hope of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> and notice, it's sins. Sins are what is debarring people from entering paradise. Allah subhanahu So all I mentioned today was again showing the deep love Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu had for our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi in the way that he described him first and foremost. And he kept saying, I have not seen anybody like him before or since. And then mentioned the report about his blessed walk, the miraculous walk of Rasulullah. And then the amazing report, which inshallah secures the forgiveness of the sins of the believers. And Lord Abu Huraira also relates that report as well. Are there any questions? سبحان الله بحمدي سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل ان الانسان لفي خسر الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات واصبحوا بالحق واصبحوا بالصبر صدق الله